welcome to another episode of Real Original. We've been on hiatus for quite some time, as you may have noticed. Just a quick note about that. I was preparing to move, and then moving, and then unpacking, and I've been lazy throughout. But we're back. We're back in business. Uh, luckily, Zack Snyder made Army of the Dead, and it kind of kickstarted my desire to talk about movies. So here we are. This is Real Original. My name's Dave. I'm Trevor. And I'm Manny. And I have been a long-standing supporter of Zack Snyder, but I don't know if I can keep that up and, and be serious after this movie. Mm. <laughs> you know, I really liked the first half of this movie, actually. Oh, but I feel the, same second, way. <laughs> the second half is just such a drudge in like every way. Yeah, the first half is definitely the stronger part of the movie, but the second half just kind of spoils it retrospectively because mm. so much is planted and none of it is paid off. And it makes you realize that the first half could just be cut from the movie and it wouldn't change anything. See, like I have some strong feelings about that because the first half was fun. It felt like it wasn't taking itself too seriously. And then all of a sudden it jumps off its own sort of path and becomes this very serious movie with these very serious characters doing these very serious things. And it just falls flat on its face at the end, explodes very awkwardly. Yeah, I 100% agree. There's, the, the, I mean, one, one of the standouts to me of the first half is the intro. Mm. Like everything from <laughs> the army guys who are transporting things, bantering to the musical intro that's like fun to watch it's maybe not high art but uh and and then i think about the ending half of this movie and all of the times i was just like oh there's an explosion and somebody died there's some i i don't want to spoil things so just spoil it (laughs) well i i don't know the second half of it turns into uh this lame fight between the group that's like snuck into Mordor essentially and and crappy undead Aragorn who's like I'm the baddest dude alive and it's just okay I'm gonna continue to see people who like half of whom aren't actually very likable by the second half of the movie get killed and so you're not even excited when one of them dies see like I I totally agree with you I I had this whole massive love affair with the beginning intro because you have like like, it's just like you said, you have like the really good montage with the really good music. Uh, you've got what the zombie strippers with the zombie Elvis coming in and uh, the the army dude landing on the Statue of Liberty. It's <laughs> it is just a, a fun ride. And then by the end, like all these characters that you were supposed to love and think that were massive badasses just become these uh, very flat sort of one-dimensional characters that have you you question their logical abilities you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah the opening of the movie is definitely the strong part and strangely enough it had some of the most emotional stories told in the movie and there were no there was no audio essentially the part where a young girl was what like reconnected with a, a mother figure i don't know if it was her mother but then the mother gets captured and the young girl goes back to the mother figure and, and they get crushed by a shipping container. That was the most emotional payoff in the whole movie <laughs> was within the first 10 minutes. It's insane. And like, I think they painted that mother as like part of the, the group uh, of like the, the soldiers or whatever, saving mm-hmm. the, the, the 
you know, defense general, whoever he was, a secretary of defense, like mm. arguably that was like the most well-rounded story in this entire movie. <laughs> and you could see in her eyes that she didn't want the, the young girl to come back to her. But once she kind of crossed the line, there was no point in trying to send her back. So she embraced her and they embraced their fate together. And it was like, oh, this movie's going to be really good. Little did I know. Two hours later. Yeah. <laughs> God. More than two hours. Okay, so I think we set the stage here a little bit to talk about what we didn't like. And I, and I think we have a, a buffet of plenty of things to talk about here. So, I, I mean, where do we start first? <laughs> well, we should probably do a plot rundown of the movie. Uh, a quick start to finish. It shouldn't take long. The movie is, is framed as a American, basically government prisoner zombie thing gets set free and it causes Las Vegas to be occupied by zombies and the survivors form a little clique, like a little town on the outside of Vegas. And, and Vegas is like really contained. Zombies aren't getting out. The only zombies are in Las Vegas, which is for some reason annexed by the United States. I don't quite get that but anyway um a rich casino owner hires a team of mercenaries and other people that don't seem to have military background to go into a casino and take money from his own vault because he's already received the insurance payout for the money so he's basically looking to double up and, and get his money back he'll share the money with them when they return and it's set up as a zombie movie slash heist movie. And it's really, really intriguing. And then once they go in, the shit hits the fan as one would expect. And not many of them return. I feel like that's just a good foundation for, for the plot of the movie. Now we can dig into the buffet, Manny. Would you like to get us started? <laughs> I would love to dig into the buffet, but I do want to commend you on your accidental pun earlier where you say that Las Vegas was contained. The entire city is literally encased with containers. So thank you for that beautiful gem. I appreciate <laughs> I didn't you. didn't even realize what I'd done. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the best place to really like summarize this movie in general, in terms of like the chaos is sort of like the whole justice league, Zack Snyder cut that they had. So for those of you who are listening and may or you know whatever your opinions are on the latest Justice League movie, that was basically a crowdsourced effort to get Justice League back um, into what they felt was the original Snyderverse of the DC cinematic universe. Um, and that sort of perfectly describes his whole intention with this. It, the, the whole movie has all, all these different things that they touch on, right? They, you know, And we'll go into each of them, but it really does feel like Zack Snyder made the choice to introduce like these 30 million different concepts, like post-it notes, and then just throw them against the wall and see what sticks. And maybe later on we'll explore it in another movie. Right. So, Oh God, the, the classic one is probably um, the robot zombies. Does, does that need any context before we dive into that? <laughs> what context can you give? <laughs> um, they're fighting zombies. They they shoot a zombie, and all of a sudden, a a zombie for a period of what five seconds it turns out to be a robot zombie, <laughs> and that is literally all you ever hear or see about that zombie ever again. They don't talk about it. 
They, they, they don't dive into it. They don't say like, oh, that was weird. They don't acknowledge it. It just is there and nothing else. So I, I remember that. So I, I, I'm, I should say I do not remember Robot Zombie. I, I saw a picture of this online after I had seen the movie and I was like, huh, that happened? Like, I, I guess if I thought of anything at the time, because the still image that I saw had like blue sparks coming out of the zombie's eyes. I guess I thought yeah. it was BS alien zombie magic because the the uh, alien zombie baby fetus that <laughs> is another thing that is just shown and then mm. they don't follow up on the idea, which I don't know that I would want to have it followed up on, is like glowing blue like that. Yeah, like it, it could very well just be that, but you you see it um, like they shoot a guy in the chin or something, and the bullet goes through his head. His chin has like metal all over it, what appears to be metal all over, it, and blue eyes, and like a spark shoots out. And yeah. later on, you see like maybe four other zombies that have glowing blue eyes, and then you're like, oh, is that? Uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter at this point, and you just disregard it, and the movie ends. Um, so like that chaos is just prevalent uh you you of course mentioned the the zombie babies and sex which i would actually argue was a very interesting twist for this movie but the problem was we never follow up on that and that is like the theme right because like with every zombie movie they have to do something to stand out in some way right mm. there, there's always that one little thing like oh the zombies slow this time oh the zombies smart but slow oh the zombies smart and fast and apparently like in this one oh the zombies know kung fu um <laughs> but then like out of nowhere like they talk about oh she's a pregnant zombie because as zombies they zombie sexed and now they have zombie baby and like that was a pretty cool idea because i don't think we really have seen that before we've we've probably have seen it um where like a pregnant woman gets bitten by a zombie and then the baby comes out a zombie but to my knowledge i've never seen a story where two zombies procreate and make alien zombie baby was it even clear if they procreated to make the baby or if she was just already pregnant when she was converted by the alpha uh, when you say it that way <laughs> they, they don't even address it I mean, I think the only thing, the only evidence that would shade it one way or another is the fact that the baby glows blue. But, like, that would lead me to believe that it was not just a human zombie fetus. Ugh, who even knows? That, that yeah. Does it even matter is the question, because <laughs> we will we will never really dive into that. Yeah. Not in this film, right? You know, the the movie actually follows up on some things in a totally lame way. Like, oh. the like early on in the movie, they show you one of Siegfried and Roy's tigers, which I think is kind of a cool moment late like, because it's the start of entering wonderland. And at the time you think this is going to be a cool movie. So when the coyote girl who ferries them into the camp is like, she guards the starts of their territory. I was, I was like, what their territory? I didn't even realize that this was a smart zombie movie. Uh, and by that, I mean, zombies that are smart. I'm not, claiming that Zack Snyder has made great art here. But. Yeah, the idea um, of creating like a tiered zombie structure isn't wholly unique, but the way it was done in this movie was pretty special. It was, it was a, a neat idea. It seemed like there was almost a genealogy to the conversion process where the closer you are to the alpha zombie, the more functions you have, the better you are at fighting and thinking and making decisions. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's how they want maybe wanted to portray it, but it all came out like you know, like splatter art against a weird splatter canvas. It's all just noise. It's like how many different types of zombies did we have? We had like robot <laughs> zombies. We had alpha zombies. We had the alpha zombie. We had um, uh, what do you call it? The the rain zombies that came out of nowhere. But they right? were never shown. Right, but no, technically they were. But then. Uh, nothing so like the rain zombies Let, let's let's dive into that one for a hot second because that is a perfect uh you know way to jump along this train they they enter you know the uh las vegas zombie quarantined area and the first thing they see are piles of you know what look like just husked out corpses and the coyote girl who is leading them into this you know wasteland mentions the fact that these are you know rain zombies so when the sun's out and they're here they're all dried up but then if the rain hits them they become i what like <laughs> reanimated but then like this like it is two minutes of the film that sets something up and does nothing with it yeah i remember thinking oh this is foreshadowing for when they're trying to escape and I, I bet there's going to be a rainfall and they think they're in the clear and then all these awesome rain zombies perk up and start growling at them. But they're just literally not, they're not revisited again. And, and the other thing about that scene that frustrated me on a personal level was none of the actors, many of which, well, uh, let's say none of the characters, many of which had no military background or, or background where they would be surrounded by hundreds of dead bodies. None of them were like holding their nose or acting like that smelled bad. And you know that this pile of hundreds of dead, rotting bodies would smell terrible. And none of them reacted to it that way. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I, I will say like the... Okay, I I totally agree with your opinions of the movie. Like, I, I don't think this is a great movie. Uh, I don't think the second half is good at all. I, I like I would maybe encourage people to watch the first half and stop about 10 minutes before they think they're going to be bored. <laughs> Write your own fan fiction ending to the movie. <laughs> right. But like in fairness, um, like some of the things that happen in this movie remind me of Bright. Uh, and <laughs> yes. that was a movie that we appreciated in a way like our, maybe it's an expectation thing because bright had a lot of like world building things that were like half done and you never saw more of there's like yeah. a centaur man in the street and then the second half of bright gets really off the wall and is in, to my mind more disappointing than you think it's going to be given the first half of the movie has like oh fun dialogue and decent actors and things like that like i don't think dave bautista is a bad actor uh, i think i don't know how to pronounce his name but no that was perfect uh Batista, I enjoy watching on on screen. He's kind of a Jason Statham for me. Not only are they built similarly physically, but they have similar screen presences where they just kind of command your attention. They don't have a lot of acting range, mm -hmm. but they're just fun to watch. They're built similarly, except that uh, Dave Bautista is like three Jason Stathams stuffed <laughs> into a sausage casing. <laughs> wow. Uh. That's definitely one way to describe him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and some one of the funny things about the movie is I didn't recognize anybody but Batista. Mm. Was there another name in this expensive movie, this expensive Zack Snyder production that I imagine Tignataro's famous. 
as a comedian. Well, she, she wasn't even supposed to be in the movie, though. Did you read about that? I had not heard that. I, I heard somebody told me that some character was edited into the movie, but I know nothing about it. Yeah, so Tig Notoro plays the helicopter pilot, and she was completely green screened in over Chris Delia. I think it's how you pronounce his name. Hmm. He basically was being investigated on multiple accounts of uh, sexual misconduct mm. and uh, they, they replaced him digitally with Tig. And I, I think her performance and their green screening of her into the movie was pretty darn good compared mm. like, like when you take into account what she was doing. Um, but still the character in the movie <laughs> just didn't mesh together. Mm. Yeah. I think they especially like the way that her scenes were written made her like the only real comic relief in the movie but you know she only ever interacts with dave batista's character Mm. and that you know just because of that decision it it made her fall really flat there's some comic relief later in the movie with uh, it's it's pretty lame actually the so the german character throughout Mm. the movie is like the butt of jokes because he's a nerd and whatnot and there's still some of that material later in the movie when they're opening the vault but the you're right that like tignataro in portions is the only comic relief like early but that's not true early in the movie early in the movie uh like character every character is at least throwing a, a couple jokes in or something like the the whole army conversation at the beginning is humorous mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. One other character that uh, I actually did recognize was the um, uh, Theo Rossi, I believe his name is. So he is the um, quarantine officer that they bring in with him, uh, and he eventually just ends up as bait for the zombie army. So he, this is the guy who had, um, he, he's been in Sons of Anarchy, and I remember him. He was actually one of the the. Uh, bad guys in the first season of Luke Cage on you know Netflix when that aired, mm-hmm. but apart from him, I like I couldn't really recognize anybody else in the cast. Yeah, that is that is odd. That did not occur. Oh, uh, Bly Tanaka, the uh, Japanese businessman, is I think mm. somewhat famous, but I can't place his face. I just know that I've seen him in other things. I, th- I you know what? I think you're right. I think he was in that movie with Tom Cruise, uh, Last Samurai. That really awful whitewashing movie way back in the day. Yeah. Oh, painful. Oh, this movie. This movie gave me... Okay, so I'm not a huge movie person, like movie buff person. Uh, I do enjoy watching them, but I I remember when this movie came out, the first thing I did was demand that uh, Dave actually call me at like midnight. (laughs) I was like, call me now. I need to talk to you. And we like, I, I think we both vented for like a solid 10, 15 minutes before like, all right, no, we need, we need to, we need to talk about this more. And then like for the next maybe week or so, we have just been like, Oh, Oh, I need to talk about this. It's still pissing me off. And like, even now thinking about this movie, like I want a refund of my time (laughs) on this movie. Just if you don't mind me diving into here, like the the just the the things that never paid off and the things that made zero sense. So like another thing that never paid off was the chainsaw. Yeah. The zombie yes. chainsaw that we all saw that was beautifully painted with whatever, you know, teeth carving animal thing that was. 
And they hyped it up so much with like the montage, don't touch my chainsaw. Like they they mentioned like six times. And the only time we ever really see that uh, chainsaw in use was to cut through fucking concrete. Yeah. I, I want to get in here and say it wasn't a chainsaw. It was a saw of some kind, but it was circular not a chainsaw. Saw, but It was what? Yeah, it was a circular saw. Circular saw, yeah. And, and Manny's completely correct that they, they hype it up. They show it a lot. There's a lot of slow motion scenes of the character kind of holding it and the camera's spinning around him as the sun in the background glimmers. And it's it's never paid off. The The skin on the saw reminded me of a Halo 5 assault rifle skin, Manny. The one with the shark. I don't know if you remember. You're, you're not as into cosmetics as I am. Uh, still, like, they, they spent so much time making this. Like, it's the ultimate zombie killing <laughs> weapon. Yeah. And then they use it one time to cut through. Like, it's a deuce, it's like a deuce ex machina situation. Where it's like, oh, we're trapped here. We'll cut through concrete. And we are never going to touch that thing ever again. Consider that well-rounded. No. Like, uh, uh. And, like, yeah. I would say, like, oh, God. Like, at what point did this movie stop being fun? And you said, like, no, no, they'll, they'll get back. Like, when did it jump off the tracks for, for you all? Like, I know that the defining moment for me. I'll go first. The defining moment for me when this got off the tracks is when the the casino owner's obvious traitorous plant into the group, um, he abandons one of the, the female people of the group. I don't know how to talk about these people because their names and characters mean nothing to me. Uh, but he basically abandons this female uh, person in the group and makes her go off into a what is basically a suicide path of zombies that are going to wake up and kill her. And she, with, with just her gun and her wits, surrounded by zombies, she stays alive for a really, really oddly long time. And she never yeah. gets bitten. And then she escapes from them in a glass room and goes into a hallway. So she escapes from like maybe 75 to 100 zombies. And when she goes out to this hallway, there's like five that are close to her. And there's multiple people in the group looking at her. And they don't try to help her, and suddenly she can't fight off these five zombies, even though she just successfully fought off, like, a lot of zombies. And she gets taken by the horde, and, and she dies. And, and that was the part where I was like, oh, crap, this movie's unredeemable. Yeah, especially with all, like, how many times, how many bullets did that small little gun have? <laughs> Enough. Yeah, she, like, like, you would think that at most it probably had 50 to 20 bullets. This like character was firing easily 50 bullets out of one small magazine. You're like, ah, oh, this is a convenient little magazine for a, for a gun like this. I'm not a big fan of the count the bullets in the magazine thing that a lot of movie critics do. There, there's just kind of some, something fun about a, a pistol that shoots a lot of bullets. Of course it's unrealistic and it can pull you out of the movie, but that, that part didn't really grate on me so much as the fact that they painted the zombie horde as being completely toothless and unmenacing that they weren't a threat to her. She, 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 she just killed them all. Like she didn't right. even try that hard. It seemed like and she is a rant, just a random character. Like I, I yeah. swear that they, that they said that she had never fought a zombie before. Like, cause the Guzman guy shows up with two other people, her and the guy who leaves. And I swear that before that guy leaves, uh, she's acting like she's never shot a zombie before. 
You're absolutely right. But I mean, like, let's go ahead and like just paint this off. Like maybe she had training doing whatever else, right? She was she was a paintball coach. Killing people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had military training training, but never actually applied it. So like you can like okay, sure, right? Well, I feel like you have to establish that though, because like, why is da- that? So I kind of get. For me, the seeds are earlier, but the the you're asking about when my moment where I realized it was off the rails were later. Mm-hmm. Like the seeds earlier are oh, this has an idiot plot because even Dave Bautista, who's painted as this big badass, just uh, accepts like, hey, I brought a friend. Like, it's you brought a friend. Okay, you. That's not part of the deal, dude. I don't know this person. She has, like, they could have had a 30-second, like, yeah, I'm ex-military, been in Iraq, Afghanistan, etc. Like, it would be boilerplate movie stuff, but it would prevent your your dissuspension of disbelief. Sure. The part where the I really thought that this movie was off the rails was the Zomborshin. Because at that <laughs> point, it becomes... <laughs> It's 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 just building this up and like this emotional thing where oh now this guy's mad the zombie king is gonna mess them up and I I for me it's again the idiot plot scenario where that I know that that guy wanted the money or whatever but why was the coyote helping him out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we we mentioned the you know the woman that has the infinite bullets and you know she survives for a little bit too too long and it's awkward um how about like the ambiguous sort of like zombie condition of like they're hibernating why 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 are they hibernating like what why should this matter is this a plot device probably absolutely it is like we never understand why you know what that felt like to me manny what it felt like a video game level yes oh it really did where they would be like, hey, there's there's all these slumbering enemies. You need to turn off your flashlight and, and find a path through them before they wake up. Make sure you press the, cou- the crouch button. Don't make too much noise. And hold your breath. <laughs> That's the first last of us. You're like sneaking through a school or something like that. And it's pitch black and you're not supposed to set off the zombies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, for me, the most defining part where I was just like, no, this has gone horribly wrong, was when they announced the real plot behind why they are in (laughs) this wasteland. So they originally go in because of the whole casino money insurance, double dipping situation. And then what ends up happening is that, you know, the evil obvious, uh, you know, henchman man who's going to betray them all from like the moment you see him, you know, that's what his role is for. Um, He announces that the real plot of why they're there is because Tanaka wants to capture the alpha zombie bride and then make his own zombie army so that he can sell it to the military so that they can use him as WMDs? <laughs> Why? And, and the, the people that capture the zombie bride, there, there's two people at that point in the movie, the plant, the, the betrayer guy, and the coyote. And it's distinctly framed that they capture her at the entrance to Las Vegas, where they entered as a, as a group of 10 or however many there were. So literally the coyote gal and the trader guy could have just walked in alone, caught her because they saw her, you know, early when they, when they first entered 
and, and they could have just done their business and walked out. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But like, I'm, I'm not realizing that this isn't just a podcast episode. This is a full on therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> so like, let's go ahead and, and continue down this rabbit hole. Right. Cause you could say like, okay, maybe Tanaka, it really just does want, you know, the zombie head, but he's also willing, you know, if they make it out with the money, maybe he's willing to take the money too. Right. But it, you know, this is at the point where like, the rest of the movie just completely like the, the logic falls apart mm. because let's, let's start from the beginning here. Right. So why be so cryptic about the plot? Why don't you just send them in with, you know, a $1 million cash prize to get the zombie bride, have them focused on it. You have 10 people right at the beginning that could have just captured her and they could have walked out mission accomplished. Everyone's happy, but no, they decide to distract them with the money in the casino thing. And then everything falls off the rails because nothing adds up. And the end they have, yep. what was it? $400 million they had to bring out $200 million, 200, whatever, I think. 200, right? When they open up that vault, did anybody sit there and be like, how are they going to carry that up to the helicopter? Right. Right. That doesn't make any sense. And then you see the helicopter, which is like <laughs> from like Vietnam era. And it can't even be fixed, and it's too small. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And you just keep going down these really bad logic paths that just don't lead to anywhere constructive. Yeah. Right, it's an idiot plot. Like, uh, for instance, the one of the most supposedly likable on paper characters in this movie is Dave Bautista's daughter, Kate, I think, who uh, is gung-ho about saving a person who's gone into las vegas and shouldn't have and that person's uh, name is gata we're gonna come back to her go on it, uh, yeah it's the same name okay it doesn't uh, matter the movie doesn't give a shit about her why should we <laughs> fair but kate gets everybody killed by even though uh you're you're in the most dangerous situation in the world right now, probably, uh, you're you're gonna go searching for this person without your father, with just one gun alone, and uh, because of that, she gets her dad killed. I don't know. So, so we are glossing over a lot of stuff here because this is way more chaotic than like we're we're summarizing here, right? Mm -hmm. There is a nuke coming, right? <laughs> yeah, a nuke oh, yeah. that's supposed to be hitting the city. The following day, and out of nowhere, the fictional president of this universe decides that he's going to, you know, turn up the timetables by 24 hours. So when they thought they still had 24 hours, they have one hour. Okay, right? If a nuke's coming off, you know, it's going to hit your town. No matter what you're doing, there's no way in hell a helicopter gets you far enough away from a nuke in one hour. Let's just put that right there, right? So at that point... Everyone should have just gone to the helicopter and gotten out. But no, right. <laughs> we, we dive into this whole chaos plot theory where logic just does not mean a damn thing. And we have uh, what we have the uh, ex-con man, you know, evil henchman dude trying to walk out of Las Vegas. We have B Bautista's daughter who leaves the group with zero <laughs> transportation, with zero escape plan with zero concept of the fact a nuke is coming, 
And she thinks that she's going to wander around the city of Las Vegas, you know, zombie-filled city of Las Vegas, with one pistol to try to find her missing friend who should honestly be dead at this point, but we'll get back to her. For some, for reasons unknown, finds her, and then somehow they, she's able to escape? No, no, absolutely not. Nothing here makes any sense. It was all just a crazy plot logic hellhole. I will back up here to compliment the movie on one thing. When they're watching the TV and it's announced that the president was wanting to send the nuke on July 4th, there's some kind of line on the newscasters that quote the president as saying, I thought it would be pretty cool. That part I laughed at. I thought that was a really funny line in the movie. Mm. Yeah. So I just want to give them a quick compliment because everything that Manny said is correct and frustrating. The whole movie itself feels to me a lot conceptually and like structurally. It feels like the Star Wars prequels where one person had too much control of the project and just did whatever they wanted in the movie. And nobody said, should we really be doing this? Should we put this scene in? Or maybe having that one other person that's just kind of reading the script be like, hey, whatever happened to this person? What about this person? We never really answered that. What about all these other people? Right? Yeah. Zack Snyder not only directed the movie, he wrote the story, he wrote the screenplay, he produced it, and he was the cinematographer. He did just about everything. Which, to be fair, the cinematography is not bad, I guess. It's workmanlike. I did think it was bad. I will argue with you on that. I will argue as well. I would say it's work workmanlike. Like there's there's not no. any obvious scenes that ruin it. It's me. broken camera like. <laughs> oh, you mean like jittery action? Is that what you're saying? The the focus. Like most of the movie was not in focus. Mm-hmm. And I understand that was an artistic choice. It was an artistic choice that failed and fell on its head for me. So not even like not in focus, but he uses a very shallow depth of field for his focus. And typically, you know, that that is a very low aperture camera lens focus range that you're working with. So it's shot wide open. And then it's typically used so that you have this very mysterious reveal of a character. So it was, it felt a little bit appropriate when we first saw the zombie queen. Was that her name? Zombie queen? I would go with zombride. (laughs) Zombride? Yeah, let's go with zombie queen bride. Um, we're going to crowdsource that one. We'll, we'll, we'll get a pull out later. Um, so they reveal her and you, you get that really nice focus on the eyes and then they just use it for every other scene in the movie. And it creates like your, your brain just like focus, please just focus. What is happening? And there's like, the scene does not demand that sort of artistic decision. Mm. And it becomes overplayed to a point that it's underutilized in the scene that they're trying to capture with the tone that they have. And I'm going to go on record as stating that a lot of the exterior shots are, are ugly sets. I didn't like the set design of this movie either. The interiors were fine, like inside the casino and the warehouse and the, the, the grill. I liked all of the interiors, but I thought all the interiors were cramped, which was a bad choice for a zombie movie, like except in the casino, which is just, rivers of zombies running into Dave Bautista's uh, bullets. Uh, <laughs> the, the most of the environments in this movie, once they get into Vegas are like, we must walk down a tunnel with one entrance and one exit. Like, uh, I mean, big chunks of it are 
that um, that long black hallway scene, and then the um, the uh, linearity of the bank vault, which I guess you would expect. But they're 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 always going from one place to another place. Like it's very linear to me. The and yet uh, be, that linearity implied to me that like you're you're bringing up the when they capture the zombie queen's head. Uh, that they just do it back at the entrance, basically. Uh, it's so I kind of get what you're saying about the sets. Where was that supposed to be the entrance, or was that just a very confusing reuse of a set? And I'm gonna go on record that all of the linearity you mention are making me think that this was this was again intended to be a video game. Mm. <laughs> it's it's starting to confuse me a little, but yeah. About the bank vault. One of the Screen Rant videos that I watched made a really good point that I didn't think about in the movie, but why does the casino owner need to hire a safe cracker to break into his own safe? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) They actually do talk about that in the movie. Do they? Yeah, because the whole point is that, uh, like, you know, you see the people down there in the vault, the the, uh, the skeletons right before they talk about yeah, the whole yeah. meta timeline thing. And the, the German guy who, for some reason, can't keep, you know, can't stop talking about how sophisticated the safe is. Once it's been cracked, the codes change. So you, it, it just but, automatically keeps but changing. Why, why did it ever have to be cracked versus uh, just him entering his combination, I think? Is... Be, because plot device. Uh, uh, and why know, would the codes change and the owner of the safe not have access to them? You're, you're saying all very logical things. <laughs> we're, we're... Power, power outage, who knows? God, I, I am a computer engineer. They, we're morons. Maybe <laughs> somebody forgot to back it up to uh, SPROM or whatever. EPROM. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe all the, the, the codes and whatnot were kept internally on the computers and they had to evacuate quickly. He doesn't have access to it because the power shut off. Like, you could go like a million different ways on this one. I'm actually willing to give that. That is not the biggest problem of this plot. <laughs> That's fair. It's it's definitely not the biggest problem of the plot. Um, that, that That is fair, but it could have been very easily solved by just not having the owner of the casino be the person hiring them. Like anybody could be like the the owner already received this money, uh, insurance wise. Like literally, nobody is looking for this two hundred million. It could have just been somebody who worked at the casino, for instance. There's nothing essential about the fact that the rich casino owner is doing this, other than he has military industrial comp- complex connections. I guess. Maybe. Yeah, it could have been a rival casino. It could have been anyone. Mm-hmm. Why were there? Indiana Jones style traps at the safe. <laughs> I forgot about Well, these. they were supposed to be non-lethal. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that was I, just so comical, like in a bad way. It, it was not funny. It was, it was terrible. See, but like this, at, at this point they had not captured the zombie queen's head quite yet. So I was still running the whole like, oh, this is just making fun of itself. It's just fun. They're just having fun with this. But now you look back on it after knowing what happens in the end and how it, oh, and you question so much about, you know, Zack Snyder's sanity while he was writing this. Okay. One more thing I need to get out before I forget. 
the the bank cracking scene has my favorite moment in the movie that I thought was so funny. One of the people that Bautista brings into the vault is a, a female mercenary that he obviously has military ties with. And she gives this like 30 second speech about how she has feelings for him and how she wants to see him romantically and stuff. And when her speech is done, a zombie just pops out of an elevator and twists her head around and kills her immediately when she's done. Her speech is basically her saying, well, I'm done in the movie. I guess I should find my exit now. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, like I I've, I've took that entire sort of scene of her whole 30 second long heart spiel, which came out of nowhere. Yeah. It came out of nowhere. And you never saw that sort of tension between the two of them. It, it sort of just felt like, Oh God. How do I even describe no, that's it? not true, man. They laugh together one time and she touches him on the arm one time. Ooh. And as every incel knows, that means that she's in love with you. <laughs> He's earned her love. <laughs> And like the way she's killed is just it's framed in a super funny way. Like they they show her facing away from the camera and then the zombie just kind of like touches her head and all of a sudden her face is facing the camera and I, I think part of her spine comes out of her shoulder. Is yeah. that what happened? <laughs> like part of her something came out of her shoulder. I don't know what else it would be. It didn't look like clavicle. It, yeah, it didn't look like clavicle. It, it looked like vertebrae. Ah, mm. uh, that was like I could probably go back and just watch that on a loop for a few minutes and and be happy. Mm. Also, that Vandero guy totally survives a nuke in a safe. Oh, no, we we need to save that to the end. That is, that is just a creme de la creme. <laughs> because I think the next person we can talk about is the coyote girl. Oh, Lily, the, the French woman, yeah. Yeah, so she's the one who leads them all into this, you know, hellhole. She's supposed to be the expert. And just like in everything else we've talked about, right, the rain zombies, the robot zombies, the, the chainsaw, the uh, zombie sex scene, like you never get a good conclusion of what happens to her. You can assume, but you can never get a good conclusion. We, we see her telling them to go, you know, to, to escape. She'll hold them off. And all of a sudden, you know, you just kind of, okay, we forget about her. She's gone. And that is just kind of how you remember her. Just kind of like, okay, well, who are you? It doesn't matter. You're gone. Oh, yeah. She's she's seemingly the most self-serving in the group other than the guy who's working for Bly Tanaka the entire time. And yet she's suddenly very selfless and is like, I, I'll hold him off. You go, you know? Yep. And Batista's just like, shrug. Okay, bye. Thanks, Lily. Yeah, there's there's no there's no tension in the scene. There's no there's no I don't know. I think that goes back to every person in this movie being unlikable. Yeah. 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 There there's a few people that I that I liked, but situationally I, liked in that specific yeah. moment you liked them. I love that one of the through lines of the movie was Bautista joking about what his like food truck that he's going to make when they get out of the, the situation and his entire food background is shown in like 30 seconds where he flips three burgers. Mm. Like he's, he's not a chef. He's not a cook. He, he flips three burgers. Yeah. He's like a line line cook in a diner or whatever. 
And then when he started talking about all of the the different ideas he had for the food truck when he got out and he had all the money, I was like, oh, God, you're doing your speech where you're going to die soon, aren't you? <laughs> so can, can we talk about Gita? Yeah. The, the, the amazing Gita, the, the whole beautifully plot, very well-rounded Gita, who totally pays off in the end. Um so don't, don't joke about that. <laughs> I'm still hurt. So, okay. So how does she go missing? Right. So she decides that she's going to, you know, sneak into Las Vegas the night before everyone's supposed to evacuate because the nuke's coming. And then she's trying to go to like one of the casinos close to the, the rim of the, the, the boundary. So she can crack it and get what the, the tokens like, her, her whole motivation for trying to get money makes zero sense. Because the last time I went to a casino, they don't actually keep money inside the casino machines. They're like fake coins, right? That you take up to the counter and exchange for real money. Yeah. So like her whole reasoning, you question, you're like, okay, you know, maybe she just has, has some different sort of casino in mind. Fine. So obviously, you know, she gets lost in the city, what have you, kidnapped by the zombies. And, you know, it's the whole reason why Kate, uh, Bautista's daughter, is trying to go save her. In the end, they save her-ish, kind of. <laughs> so there, there's three survivors on the helicopter. It's it's Bautista, Bautista's daughter, and Gita. Oh, and the helicopter pilot, of course. So there's four survivors there. Correct. Well, at first. Yeah. So they crash land and they give you zero indication that Gita survived, that she was important, what happened to her kids, none of that. Gita is there just to get Kate into the plot so she can promise that everyone dies. And she is the emotional through line of the movie. Oh yeah. She is the reason to be invested in this movie because other than that, it's just a plot about some assholes going into a casino to get money. Right? Yep. Oh, well, absolutely. I was I was just thinking, isn't that her too, Gita? Uh, you're talking about Kate, which I guess isn't. You're right. Yeah, you're right. That's every person, including Gita. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I had kids. But, <laughs> but like Manny was talking about, how the the slot machines don't even have real cash. They don't even have fake coins anymore. They're all digital. It's all it's all cards. Yeah. Like they give you a a casino branded card and you put money on it you swipe your card and if you win your card gets deposited currency yeah sure. i guess i don't know what amount of money they're talking about her stealing because i or, or needing to steal to get out of the camps because uh like i understand why okay i guess they go into the strip because for some reason the, the u.s army built the the internment camp for the um uh, survivors of Vegas right next to the capital of the evil zombie empire by the strip. Like they're they're like, why could she not go into uh, why was it not built out by the suburbs of Vegas where there's like, there's money in houses. Like looting is a great American tradition. It doesn't need to happen at the strip. Yeah. Th there's a lot of questions there. Like, 
why wasn't there two or three quarantine sites where you would move people to like a halfway quarantine site? And then when they were there for a week or so, you moved them to a different quarantine site. And then once they cleared that, you integrated them into society because they're obviously not zombies. And, you know, like, is this the right time to talk about the ending? Sure. Okay. Because the ending, I, I think, is like the the shit whipped cream on top of this chaos <laughs> of a film. So it ends with, you know, Bautista turned into a zombie and his daughter has to kill him. And then the very next thing you really see is uh, the chainsaw owner. God, what is his name? I don't remember any characters' names here in this movie. They might as well not have had names. Yeah. Like, it's, it's even tough to describe their character. Like, how would you even describe him? Uh, uh, Vanderhoe, I think his name was? Vanderhoe? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the um, what just generic badass who had worked with um, muscles uh, with a chainsaw. Let's yeah. just call him muscles with a chainsaw. So yeah. he gets thrown into the vault that is supposed to be you know uncrackable, and they crack it. Right? They 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 crack the vault, and in a last ditch effort to save Vandero, they throw him into the vault and close the door so the zombies won't get him. Cool. All right, that's the last time we see him. Then at the end of the film. He pops out of a, a nuclear fallout wasteland, Vegas. <laughs> a fresh nuclear fallout wasteland. Yes, this has been like maybe at most a few hours after the fallout started, right? This man walks across this, you know, radioactive hellhole with money from the vault that he carried out to an airport. Mm-hmm boards a plane and then you realize something's not quite right and turns out he was bit by a zombie all right how how do we break that down i don't i don't know that you want to because like it's it's like a, a crunchy pretzel exterior on a little turd nugget if you break <laughs> it down you're gonna taste the poop okay so like like let's let's talk about all the steps because you have to make a lot of wild concessions without with like this summary right so like Safe survives nuke. Well, not sure. Sure, let's start with the the obvious. Like, how does he get out of the safe? Right. Right. right? Or if the safe was unlocked and the door was just closed, why did like why did the smart zombie not just kill the German guy and then open it and kill that guy? Sure, but let's go ahead and put that to the side. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know how like trunks have like the release from the inside button thing. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and wildly say, you know, there's there's a knob on the inside because people get locked in the vault all the time. Cool. He turns the knob. He goes, oh, man. You know, I'm, what, 50 floors, 20 floors down in the basement of this casino that has just been hit by a nuke? How am I going to get upstairs the elevator, which was our only way to get, you know, down here? The elevator, which always, always seemed to come up, when the door opened is that just my faulty memory or i don't even know yeah because it was supposed to be in the basement right yeah so the you know the elevators don't work fine let's assume that there are stairs right let's let's assume that there are stairs in which are still intact after a building fell from a nuke right we need to reiterate this place got nuked all right so he takes these two bags filled with cash and he pops open some sort of hatch on some, you know. It's like a submarine the, hatch. The most con- like conveniently not obstructed hatch to the outside world after a nuke demolished a building. 
right? So he gets out of his hatch and he's just basking in the, the amazing romanticized nuclear wasteland that's filled with radiation. Because remember, a nuke hit a, hit a building, <laughs> right? He walks across the entire desert to a car. Somehow, you know, there's keys in it, sure. And then later on, we're, we're talking this entire process is what, hours? Sorry, my cat just lost his mind. I don't know if her, you guys heard a banging noise on the mic. No, no, she, she obviously heard this plot line and she, she's definitely <laughs> just, you know, GTFO'd. So he, he walks hours out of the desert, boards a plane, and he then discovered he's a zombie. And this is this well, is after we see how quick Bautista turns after exactly. being bitten. Exactly. The, the most vague zombie biting timeline ever. It, it's like that entire, like, you have to make a lot of concessions to just recognize how chaotic this is. It's so frustrating. Uh, I understand there's multiple spinoffs and sequels coming to this movie. And I think that's why there's so many weird loose ends. Uh, they're making like an anime show spinoff. That's so painful. That's so painful. I'm convinced that like Snyder made all of these crazy concepts to see what people were going to like get fixated on. And he's like, you know what? Next movie is on option B, D and J. We're going to make a movie out of that with, and it's just going to be the same chaotic mess that, that will have zero synergy with this film. And it's just going to be a, a, a clusterfuck of a universe that just has the one word zombie that ties it all together. Well, the, the only saving grace of this movie is that they killed so much of the cast that whatever that movie is, there's a chance for them to be there to be more of a star studded cast. <sighs> Bautista turned down a big role to be in this movie. What did he turn down? Let me look it up real quick. I, I do know that, you know, Bautista's kind of at his end when it comes to the whole muscle role. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, like, because he was, he's what got his real fame from doing Guardians of the Galaxy in, when it comes to like the, the movie screens, right? Which that, that ties into the movie that he turned down. He turned down a role in the Suicide Squad directed by James Gunn. God. Yeah, and I know that currently he is trying to make the next uh, few Guardians of the Galaxy movies his last one because he's saying it's exhausting to keep up that much muscle at his age. Mm. So like, I, I wonder if this movie really is a payoff for him. I mean, it has to be with all the, the hype it's getting, right? I, I mean, he's been rich for years. So it, it, at some point, it's just like, I I don't care that every actor is not like, I somebody's got to act in these movies, right? Because otherwise, the, the weird, insane cash recycling machine that is Hollywood would grind to a halt. So <laughs> and we, we wouldn't want to actually spend our mo- money on things other than entertainment, right? Uh, yeah ultimately this movie just is uh you know fun up until a certain point and then just becomes chaotic and i, I don't think i could ever re-watch this movie ever again <laughs> there, i just there's... want to see the scene where the lady gets her neck snapped <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
make that into an NFT and just sell it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Snap, crackle, pop. I think I might be done with Zack Snyder. Same. I've given him a lot. I, re- I really like Sucker Punch. I like 300. And I like Watchmen. But everything else that he's made has been disappointing or, or just like fundamentally different from what I want it to be. And I kind of feel like this movie be just being a blank check written where they said, Zack Snyder, do whatever you want with this movie. It kind of just demonstrates his, his flaws as a filmmaker and as a storyteller. And I, I don't know if I can give him another chance after this. It's pretty rough. I do think that like, I've, I've thought before about the fact that movie making is really insane because most of the people who make movies, like it's almost like winning the lottery. Like not everybody who makes movies has like a degree in movie making, whatever that is, whether that's an English degree or, or some creative thing. Like in some ways, the only way you learn to make movies is by making movies. But I get what you're saying. Like, I'm not going to, go out of my way to see a Zack Snyder movie. If he's attached to intellectual property that I care about enough that like realistically I see, I'm going to see the next star Wars movie, even though star Wars sucks now and arguably has sucked since I was a kid. <laughs> I don't know. The, the last two Zack Snyder films, which would be this one and justice league. Oh, the, yeah. the Snyder cut. And then actually justice league before that, um, you know, like I, I, I can no longer have faith that you know he is not consistent enough. He's he's only consistent in the fact that you will get flashy scenes with very moody actors, but apart from that, the only other thing that you can bet on is that the movie will crash and burn and fall flat on its face. Yeah, I think Watchmen and Three Hundred, to like, he, he's banking. Those are really quality comic. Um, like Alan Moore is a genius. He's very well respected. And, and that's very different from when, when you're just adapting material that, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. I've been complaining about Zack Snyder for an hour now. See, if you don't, if you don't want me hijacking this, like the problem, the problem I have with people saying like, oh, Zack Snyder was good in, you know, doing 300 and Watchmen. So yes, he did have, you know, creative liberties and his like his vision for how it would be portrayed on like the movie screen. However, you have two, like you had mentioned two graphic novels that were complete ideas, completely like thought out scripts, thought out moods, thought out environments of the universe is well built. He had all the blueprints given to him. Yeah, even art style. Exactly. It was proven. Like the movie Watchmen was essentially like, a shot-for-shot remake of the graphic novel. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's fantastic. And even 300, you know, very, you know, he he definitely had his input. Like he, he put his touches to make it really shine, but the foundation was already there. Now take that back and compare it to this, where there is no foundation. It's just a pile of shit that he just threw together, and he's just shining it up. At the end, it's just a really shiny pile of shit that's not even held together well. It's not even shiny. You got you got a zombie tiger. Keep 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 talking about the zombie tiger. Isn't that cool? I, I would have rather <laughs> that that was zombie tiger woods. Ooh. 
<laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I, I really don't have much else to say about this film. It, it will forever just piss me off, and I, I look forward to hating it beyond my grave. Hopefully, when I become a zombie, I will zombie hate this film. <laughs> well, somebody that's enjoyed a lot of George Romero movies, the zombie movies, like the the ones in the '80s and the '90s, this just didn't live up to the the, the genre. Like there. Zombies are typically so schlocky with maybe a a heavy environmental message somewhere in the movie and they they're schlocky and preachy at the same time and neither of those itches were scratched by this movie. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah, I agree. It was it was too clean. Everybody was just a little too clean. This should have been shot on film, probably. Like this was the first movie that Zack Snyder shot digitally, and the heyday of the zombies was was arguably the '70s and the '80s, where no digital technology existed. So why was now the time that he chose to switch to digital? I don't know. It just the whole the whole thing, start to finish, it's it let me down and. I hate you, Zack Snyder, I guess. <laughs> Any parting thoughts on the movie before we wrap up here? I liked the first half enough that if somebody told me, oh, this Zack Snyder movie is great, if a couple of people told me that, or maybe the somebody that I secretly respect more than other people, uh, I won't tell you if you're on that list or not, Dave. <laughs> okay. uh, told me that they loved a a new Zack Snyder movie, I would maybe see it, but you're right. It's pretty rough. You would watch just the first half. There's no way that would be satisfying. Not smoke break, bro. (laughs) Uh, That was my mistake. Actually, is I went out uh, to jewel like a 13 year old and then I uh, came back in and finished the movie because when I was outside, I was like, man, I'm having a blast. I'm watching some, (laughs) popcorn movie you know and then i came back in mm-hmm. just the out there man. downhill yeah. <laughs> smoking ruins everything Trev. <laughs> manny any parting thoughts i i don't even care about what the answer to robot zombies to rain zombies to zombie sex i i, I don't i don't care anymore i i don't want to have a follow-up movie to explain it i'm done yeah, the movie presents them as being forgettable, so... We'll forget about them. I'm probably going to forget about them. <laughs> and that's all there is to Army of the Dead. Uh, faceless, generic characters that I can't remember the name of. Plots that go nowhere. Dissatisfying third act. Do better, Netflix. Do better, Zack Snyder. Uh, anybody that listened in, we're going to have more episodes coming out soon. I believe the next episode is going to be without remorse, hopefully with, uh, Suzanne and Ricardo podcast veterans. That'll be fun. Hopefully that's a good movie, but (laughs) I don't know if I can trust movies anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys think it's weird that Tom Clancy's name keeps getting stamped on things, even though he's been dead for like 20 years? Tom Clancy's dead. He's very dead. He died a long time ago. He was actually in the film. Don't worry. 
but there's, he, he keeps making new video games and new movies and he didn't write these stories. They're just kind of loosely based in his universe and they use his corpse's name as marketing material. It's, it's really weird to me. It's like if Walt Disney had only liked drawing semi-automatic rifles. <laughs> like they still use his name on everything. He's been dead much longer. It should be creepier, uh... but it's not. You know, I was waiting for that connection there because, like, I, I didn't see it. But yeah, you know. I, I was, <laughs> I was spinning out on that one. I mean, at least his company name is his family name. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Clancy's just an author. He's a book author. He's yeah. He I think that his estate is what's making the money now. But okay. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, any listeners. Stay safe. Have a good one. Share the podcast. Like and subscribe. All that bullshit. Bye.